What is going on? Happy Wednesday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented as always by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, myself and Trace Fowler discussed Tuesday night's Reds game. We'll have a recap of all the Reds minor league action, including two really encouraging performances from Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, both on rehab starts, and we'll also preview Wednesday night's Reds game. But first, here's what happened on Tuesday night at Great American Ballpark. Reds and Guardians, first of two. In the top of the first, Graham Ashcraft allowed a leadoff single to Stephen Kwan. Then the next batter, Jose Ramirez, hit a ball to left field. Spencer Steer manning left field on Tuesday night for the Reds. Fortunately, Steer lost the ball in the sun, thanks in part to the 6.40 start time with some weird shadows. And just like that, the Guardians had runners on second and third. Graham Ashcraft did bounce back and get a strikeout, but then a weak single by Cole Calhoun quickly made it 2 nothing Guardians. And honestly, that would be more than enough for the Guardians and their starter, Logan Allen, on this night. Reds' best chance was in the bottom of the sixth. Matt McClain had a leadoff walk. Then Ellie De La Cruz had an infield single. That brought Spencer Steer to the plate. Steer hit a ball to deep right field. McClain tagged and easily got to third base, but Ellie De La Cruz also tried to tag up and take second and he was thrown out on a nice throw by Guardians right fielder Will Brennan. Henry Ramos struck out, and just like that, that threat was over. In the top of the seventh, the Guardians did scratch across another runoff Ashcraft. Ashcraft's final line probably was actually better than his final line overall, to be honest. Seven innings pitch, seven hits, three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. Obviously, two of those earned runs, pretty tough, uh, with Steer losing the ball in the sun. Alex Young, he pitched two perfect innings in relief after Ashcraft. Uh, no walks, three strikeouts, so a really good outing from Alex Young, who had been struggling a little bit of late with kind of an, a little bit of an injury, missed about a week. Uh, but good outing from Alex Young, but the Reds' offense just couldn't get anything going. They only got out hit 7-6, to six, but the Reds were shut out 3-0 on Tuesday night at Great America Ballpark. Reds are now 62-59. and 59. On the season. And here's what David Bell had to say about the Reds' loss and their offensive struggles. Logan Allen stuff kept your lineup so so quiet today. He sure did. He's been on a bit of a roll for them, pitching well. Um, came in today and um, five different pitches, was able to, to really change speeds well. He threw strikes. He came right after our hitters and just made for uh, tough at bats really all night. What can you say about Graham other than the first inning? Pretty solid. Yeah, his stuff, uh, I mean, it's a great start. And he's been on a roll as well uh, for us. Maybe not even as sharp, quite as sharp tonight. Having said that, you know, the, the ball doesn't get lost in the sun in the first inning. It could have been a, a shutout, really. So, I mean, he he did a great job uh, with what he had and continues to pitch really well for us. Is there any level of concern with the offense at all at this point? Um you know, we've, we've actually handled left-handed pitching uh, starters really well all year. Um, our guys have d really done a nice job, particularly against the left-handed starters. So um, that says a lot for, for what Allen was able uh, to do for them. And, um, you know, so we'll just, you know, we, we face 
a few more uh, left-handers the rest of the week, and we'll look forward to that opportunity. But um, no, no concern. Graham kind of compared the start of the first half with this kind of uh, run you guys have had, and he said that he's confident that they'll put together a positive run like they did after the start of the first half. Do you do you see indications and feel kind of that way? Yeah, I mean, it's been very consistent the whole way. I know that the, the wins and losses haven't been exactly the same. It never is throughout the course of a year. But, um, you know, the work, uh, the, the attitude, the, you know, the feeling around our team, around our clubhouse, on the field, the way we're preparing, everything stays the same. That, that's not always the case with this team. It's been very consistent. And um, if anything, over the last week, it's, you know, everything's Pick, really picked up, and I think the the off days have helped with that. Um, but you know, we watch really close, and you know, everything is is remaining the same. And guys are very positive and staying together, and that's that's all you can do. Just keep working and, and going out and playing hard. And uh, so I I definitely agree. I think we all do. Our whole team sees the same thing and, and feels good about it. And here's what Red starting pitcher Graham Ashcraft had to say. Graham, after the first, you really settled in nicely. What changed? You know, I mean, that first inning, just stuff's just kind of all over the place. I mean, really the whole game, I really wasn't pounding the strike zone like I have been. Uh, you know, just just trying to make do with the stuff that I have. Um, it was just one of those days that it was a grind day. I was just trying to get early outs as fast as possible, just trying to fill the zone up with the stuff that I had because I knew at times, I mean, like the slider profile was completely different than it has been all year today. I mean, it was harder, but it doesn't matter if it's not moving the same because I can't spot it up like I normally do. But, I mean, it was just that first inning, can't do anything. Of course, the sun was out for five minutes, and, I mean, sunball happened, which... Again, can't do anything about that. It's just going to happen. Those things happen. It's baseball. So that's really. What, if anything, do you take from this, from the start? Uh, I mean, I felt really good uh, mechanically today. I felt like I was staying on my backside really well. I mean, the velo was back up more consistent, and I felt like it's a right step where we've kind of been going with the things we've been working on. And so it was just kind of building on it and remembering what I felt today, but getting back to where I can fill the zone up with strikes and get to two strikes sooner. It seems like lately, in the last two weeks, pitching's been really good. The offense has been struggling a little bit. You've seen how good this offense is. Are you just waiting for them to bust out? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's only a matter of time. I mean, guys are still hitting balls really hard. It's just right at people. You can't do anything about that. I mean, that's all we can ask for. I'd rather see our guys go up and down the lineup just hitting absolute missiles at guys, and it's just right at them, rather than hitting rollover ground balls. I mean, I'd rather see that for them just because that lets us know, like, hey, these are guys are ready. They're on it. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things. You just have to just kind of ride the wave. I mean, it might seem like it's carrying on a little bit, but it's part of the game. Once we get things rolling, once those guys get back hot, we'll be back where we need to be. Well, the Reds did once again get a lot of help. The Brewers lost, so the Reds remain three and a half back in the National League Central, tied with the Cubs. Over in the wild card race, the Phillies, Marlins, and Cubs all lost, so the Reds remain one game back of the Marlins for the final wild card spot. Reds are also tied with the Cubs. 
The Diamondbacks, game and a half behind the Reds and the Cubs. Reds are also within two and a half games of the Giants, who hold the second wildcard spot. So still a very crowded wildcard race, certainly up for grabs for the Reds. All right, here's myself and Trace Fowler. Instant reaction, as always, on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube. All right, Nick, not a banner day for Chatterbox Reds. Uh, Not a banner day for the Cincinnati Reds as they drop to the Cleveland Guardians, the Guardians of Cleveland. Three to nothing. Three to nothing. Nothing. Zero. Not a single run. Hard to win baseball games when you don't score a run. Some say it's never happened. I don't know where to start. Um, These are the times where I try not to overreact in a little bit of a way. I know that that's a little tongue-in-cheek. Most of the time, I'm the guy that screams and yells in a microphone. But I do think that there are situations where um, there's some truth to the platooning. There's also some some issues with just this team in general. You know, I, I don't know what to blame. I think some of it's just this team is not as good as we would hope for them to be. And then I also think that um, when there's a lefty that throws, let's just get this out of the way. If Fraley's not in this lineup, India's not in this lineup, then in, just in general terms, I'm thinking, on, at least on my end, and I know I'm missing somebody right now off the top of my head, um, this lineup isn't good already, I guess. It's not great. And when Ellie struggles, then it's then it's then it's double downtime. Then it's almost like, you know, there's really only a few guys left at that point. Will Benson, McLean, uh, Steer, I guess, and and all of those guys are I wouldn't consider them elite level hitters. You know what I'm saying, Nick? Like they're good hitters. Matt McLean's a very good hitter, but outside of those guys, there's not a whole lot left. Um, a lot of fringe. Major leaguers that play for this ball club a little too often. And this is where we're at. This is where we're at. We, we, we get shut out. Um, I'd like to think one day Kevin Newman, TJ Hopkins, um, even, even Stuart Fairchild to a certain extent. And again, I think Stu has a chance to turn it around at some point in regards to being a decent major leaguer. I'd like for the Cincinnati Reds not to have to play those types of players. Henry Ramos. I think I'm just going to shut up because you get my point. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, India being out of the lineup really hurts this team a lot versus left-handed pitching. Fairly hurts this team a lot versus right-handed pitching. Nixon Zell, I know he got sent down, but he was a big part of why the Reds had so much success early in the year against left-handed pitching. I know he had been struggling of late, and uh, I, I really th- I'm curious what is because he still hasn't played for Louisville, so that's a whole nother point. But I, I don't know if he's coming back, if this was just because this was the only lefty the Reds played in like a stretch of several games or not. But yeah, I mean, th- there's there's too many fringe players. Uh, I, I still like uh, still think this was probably gave the Reds the best chance tonight. Uh, I, I guess if you wanted to, you know, lose with the different lineup, you could, but it probably would have been the same result. I remember 2021. When the Reds ran Jesse Winker out against left-handed pitching and ran Joey Votto out against left-handed pitching every day and lost every time almost against lefties. So I, I don't really think there's a lot of good options right now. I think that in these type of matchups, I don't think David Bell has a lot of great choices. I mean, there was, you know, Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, Christian Encarnacion, Strand. None of those guys had an extra base hit tonight. Like that, you right. those guys have to play really well for the Reds to have any chance right now. 
and uh, they just didn't play well tonight. And look, you have to give some credit to Logan Allen. I mean, this guy with the ERA in the low threes this year, like he's pitched really well all year. He's he's a good pitcher. This wasn't some scrub. Uh, this guy's probably going to get rookie of the year votes this year. And he, he pitched really well. And one criticism I'll give, I'm not a big lineup structure. I don't think it matters as much as everyone likes to make it out to be. But I do think I probably, w- I would maybe like to see Spencer Steerbat lead off against left-handed pitch. He's crushed lefties all year. You could leave McLean still in the two hole, but at least you're, you're throwing your two best guys out there against a really, you know, good left-handed pitcher. You're making him really right off the bat have to be locked in. I don't have a problem with Kevin Newman playing, but I do think maybe you could bat him a little lower in the lineup. You get maybe you could also buy Spencer Steer an extra at bat against the lefty. The the you yeah. know the side that he's pitched a lot better. Uh, that's probably the only thing that I probably would do do different. That's fair. Before we get to Ashcraft, I do want to bring up something. I, I this is the only thing that I want to push back a little bit on the in the on the whole splits thing. Okay, every time you bring up the fact that and and I and obviously you tweeted about it. Um, Tonight, this left-handed lineup, the, when they face left-handed pitching, when I tweeted about it months ago and said that they were that there was so many holes in it, it's because of the guys that you have to play because their splits are so bad. On the opposite side, you have to force yourself into playing fringe major league players. And I'm not suggesting that it's not the right option more times than not, but you can't tell me it's a better lineup. That's my main point. If a right-hander's throwing and a left-hander's throwing, it should be inarguable. There's nobody in the world that should want to look at me and look at you in the face, Nick, and tell us that there's a better lineup and a better opportunity for the Reds to score more runs if they're facing a quality left-handed pitcher versus a quality right-handed pitcher. I think, again, statistics can become a little a little frayed when you look at them in a microscope because sometimes it's not apples-to-apples apples comparisons. If you face a couple bad lefties, and again, I haven't got a chance to look these statistics up, and I will. But if they faced, if you face a couple really bad lefties, and to Joey Votto's credit, he faced a couple bad lefties earlier this year. The worst pitcher in the league they faced, Joey Votto faced earlier this year. When his, I think it was his first game back, if I remember right. Um, and he hit a couple home runs. The Reds pounce on those type of guys. But if they face a quality left-handed pitcher, I'd like to see how they do. The other thing I want to bring up, when you bring up these splits, well... Our everyday players have unbelievable splits against left-handed pitching. So that's part of the problem, too. So it's not like you're gaining a huge advantage, in my opinion, by getting these guys that are hitting against left-handed pitchers that are coming in from platoon standpoint. Right now, I'm looking at the splits. Matt McClain. Again, batting average, is that the best best term to use here? Maybe I'll use OPS. It doesn't matter. He's a 280, 285 hitter against right-handed pitching. He's 333 against left-handed pitching. He's got a 1,000 OPS against left-handed pitching. He's got an 800 OPS, which is still pretty damn good, against right-handed pitching. You want to go to Spencer Steer? Spencer Steer against right-handed pitching has a 250 average against right-handed pitchers. He has 307 average against left-handed pitchers. His slugging is 950 against left-handed pitchers. These guys play every day. The statistics are being, they're being manipulated by the guys that play every day. They're not being manipulated by guys that get platoon starts. Okay, they're not. And then the last guy I would put up is Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson, who gets a decent amount of at-bats, unfortunately for this team, he's hitting 226 against right-handed pitchers. He's getting 226 against right-handed pitchers. He's hitting 280 against left-handed pitchers. So, I'm just named three guys. Obviously, 
I, I don't want to sit here and just keep rattling off numbers all day long, but you can't, I guess my point is like, you can't just sit here and be like, well, they, they're not that bad against lefties. It's like, well, they're not bad against lefties if you look at it in a microscope and, and you look at it from a holistic standpoint that the three everyday guys, and I use Stevenson as an everyday guy, and I don't know if that's fair or not, but I, I, maybe I should look Luke Maley up too. But those guys are so much better against left-handed pitching that it, I think it skews the statistics. Now, you may argue that those platoon guys like Fraley, I guess, and maybe a Will Benson, and maybe even like Ellie De La Cruz averages all that out. I don't know. But I just, I, I, it's, that just seems inarguable, Nick. Like, I guess, I mean, people can make fun of me all they want. It just seems impossible for you to look at a lineup card and think to yourself, man, I'm glad we're facing a left-handed pitcher today. No, does anyone do that? There's no way. Trace, I, I don't agree that the Reds, right now the Reds lineup is definitely better against uh, right-handed pitching. There's no question about it. But I think back when you were talking about this, I don't think Will Benson had really come around yet, right? Like Will Benson has really turned this lineup around against right-handed pitching. He's a huge part of that. Jonathan India was also in the lineup, a guy that hits lefties well throughout his career. Not this uh, year. And jo- this well, year, he's I mean, got like a 50-point swing between right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching. But again, look at look at his overall career. It, it's pretty drastic. And then there also, Joey Votto wasn't... wasn't uh, back yet. So I think right now there's no question this lineup is is better against right-handed pitching right now. I, I and also Nick Senzel was crushing lefties earlier in the year too. So and That's not sustainable. Like, maybe Nick not, but he's not going to hit 400 his whole entire life against lefties. No, that that's certainly not sustainable, but is Nick could Nick Senzel be an above average hitter against lefties throughout his career? Yeah, I think he probably can. He's been a significantly better hitter. Now granted, still not great still not what you're expecting out of your you know your number two overall pick but but he has been better so I I think it's I do think over the course of the year it's it's changed a little bit uh from then but yeah there's no question especially a really good left-handed pitcher I think the Reds could sneak these kind of lineups out and probably beat some bad lefties uh but man when you're facing you know guys like Logan Allen guys that are really good lefties you're really gonna struggle uh and this team I this team really needs Jonathan India back I, I think uh, uh, there's there's also if you look into this is really getting into the weeds, but if you look into some of like the stat cast like expected numbers, Jonathan India's expected numbers against left-handed pitching were really good this year. I honestly genuinely think that some of that that's those splits this year with India were were pretty very small sample user error type type thing. I, I think you give him. 100 at-bats against lefties, 100 bats against righties coming up. He's probably going to hit the lefties way better. Okay. I mean, listen, this team isn't been playing well right now. Winning fixes everything. If this team was finding ways to win these games 2-1, to 3-2, to two, would we be as pissed off as, as all of us collectively are? Probably not. It just stinks that uh, this team played maybe, and we'll see. Again, I'm not... I'm not uh, I'm not giving up on this season. It's certainly not over, but it just stinks that it's starting to look as if maybe this team played its best baseball already. Its best baseball is already behind them. Um, you know, I don't know what uh, I, I don't know what the end result looks like to get these guys back on track, but it just seems pretty simple. It seems like Ellie De La Cruz has to get back to his old self. We've, we 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 can't keep beating this dead horse on this show every single night talking about Ellie and this that and the other. But it just it certainly feels that way, man. It certainly feels that way. Um, Ashcraft, 
getting into him, uh, into him, another good, another great outing, great outing. I don't want to call it a good outing. I thought it was a great outing. Uh, the ball in the first inning, it, it's caught any other game that people can see in left field. Uh, for those that didn't get a chance to see it, uh, basically, if you've ever been to Great American Ballpark around 640 in the summer, or even for that matter, honestly, 710 in the summer, seven, it, it probably goes away around 725, 730 um, in the summer, is the sun field. That is left field. It's so bad, Nick, that I genuinely went out there one game uh, for you know an evening game. I don't know if it was a 640 starter or a 710, but I was sitting out in left field, and I was like, this is, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ever sitting out here again. And I, it's not because I don't think the seats are great. It's just like I couldn't even I, – I barely could see what was going on for the first two innings of the game. Um, I, I don't know how you fix that, if you can even fix it. But I do think it's actually a genuinely a problem. Um, I know we're supposed to talk about Ashcraft here. I don't know if you want to talk about the whole Sunfield and left field thing or if you want to maybe just stick to Ashcraft and tell me to kick rocks and we'll worry about that another day. No, let's talk about 640. 640's garbage. It's awful. I hate these 640 starts. They already put me behind me. They put me in a bad mood. They do. But no, the, the, the reason for the 640 starts, part of it was to get the games over quicker. Well, we already get the games over like 30 minutes quicker. So can we get them back to seven dead? Like we have a pitch clock now. Uh, I don't know. I, I think most people genuinely don't like 640. I know there's some that do, especially people who have to work early. And I feel for those people, but. I, I don't like there's a reason like primetime TV doesn't come on at six o'clock at night. Right. <laughs> right. I, I get everyone's frustrated. I do. I understand why I'm right there with you. I just think that we're in a position right now that my guts telling me we're just not as good as I hope we are. That's what my gut tells me. I, 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 I hate to be that guy. I don't want to be a negative guy. I don't want to be the person that comes in that, 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 that seems like... Uh, I guess let me be very clear when I say this. I think there's a vast difference between being honest and being real and having some levity to it in regards to just think, thinking maybe we're not as good as we really are and screaming and yelling about how you know this team's horrible, David Bell has to get fired, Nick Crawl stinks, and the ownership needs to sell. I think there's a huge difference between the two. I am excited about the direction of this franchise. I know many fans don't want to hear that. I know many fans are disgusted with the fact that they got to wait and wait and wait. But at the same time, a lot of these guys are very, very promising players. They're fun to watch. I think that they're good players. They might be a little too young, and they need some more help. They need some more help. We need some big power bats, man. We really do. I don't know where you get those. I don't know how you get them, but we need some power bats. We need some guys in the lineup. Uh, that when they come to the plate, you expect them to hit the ball really, really hard. And uh, I don't know if we have a ton of those guys. I really don't. I mean, do you think that that's a realistic thing to possibly get? I mean, I'm not trying to start the shop for next year or give up on this year, but uh, I'm just sick and tired of of uh, of not having an elite-level power bat. And maybe CES will be that, obviously, for next year, but we just lack that significantly. Well, I mean, I think Ellie's going to be that. I just, you know, he's going to have to get a little bit better. He's going to have to have a little bit better, obvious uh, uh, command of the the strike zone. But he's clearly, I think, going to be a guy that's going to hit for a lot of power. I do think CES. I think what he's shown so far is not at all what you're going to what's going to be out of him long term. Um, the one thing that's maybe encouraging about CES is he doesn't feel like he's o- as overmatched as I thought maybe was possible. Like he is making contact at, at a decent rate. So. That makes me 
uh, optimistic that the power is going to come with him. And then Noel V. Marte. You want to talk about when Noel V. Marte gets here, the platooning is going to slow down quite a bit. I think that's probably good for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely good for this chat. I, I, I definitely think it will mend some relationships if, because if no, we're able because to not platoon as many guys. Well, yeah, I mean, because CES is not going to be platooned. Ellie De La Cruz is not going to be platooned. Steer's not going to be platooned. Marte's not going to be platooned. I mean, that that's already like over half your team. So I think that's going to help a lot of of the the platooning yeah. is when, when Marte gets here. Um, and, and if they decide to keep India and maybe make India as like a DH slash, um, you know, you play him a little bit at second base, like a Max Muncy, like we had talked about before. Right. I mean, that's, that's a, almost a whole lineup where maybe you're only having one or two guys platoon and everyone's a little bit happier and a little bit, and, and there's a little bit more fluidity to that. But yeah. I genuinely think the Reds probably right now are doing the best they can. TJ Frio, I think, should play more against lefties. Uh, I think that also maybe would get Spencer Steer out of left field. Uh, it could have happened to anyone out in left field, but... Spencer Steer is clearly not your best defensive left fielder, so right. you know that could help that. I just think Frito was in the lineup today just because of the drastic splits that Allen's had this year. And maybe it was the wrong call. I, I don't yeah, know. it's it's hard. To, listen, you can always second guess. There's no doubt. There's you can always easily Monday morning quarterback it. That's the easiest thing to do in sports. But the 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 one thing that I would also say about T.J. Friedel is that he's not really had. Uh, uh, what's the right term to use? I don't think that the Reds expected him to be as productive as he's been this year. One iota. Yeah. Um, I think some of that's come of a surprise. Going into next year, if T.J. Friedel continues to play relatively around the same pace he's played it all year, he doesn't drop off. There's no huge, you know, slump going into the end of the season. If he plays well in spring training next year, and even as stupid as this sounds, I really think that this is the case. If he has relatively good splits going in, and, and, he, and he holds those up through spring training next year, I think T.J. Friedel will have to prove that he can't hit left-handed pitchers going into next season. Versus this year. I think this year is one of those situations where they're, they're trying to make sure that he keeps his confidence and they don't want to try to, you know, I guess to your, to your, to your point, I think that they baby, they baby these guys, maybe I don't say too much, but they certainly baby these guys. They certainly put white gloves on and they try to make sure that they put them in the best positions as possible instead of just saying, Hey, let's see if you can do it. Right. Let's just see if you can do it, which, you know, you could argue both ways are, are, are effective, because again, we it seems like we do also do this on every other show. You know, Brandon Williamson's a guy that you could say, well, maybe sometimes you shouldn't baby him. You should just say, hey, man, if you, if you think you want to be up here, let's see what you got. Uh, and some guys will respond to that in a positive manner, and some guys maybe fold up like a tent. I don't know. Uh, TJ Friedel, I think, could be a guy going into next year to where, as you mentioned, I don't know if he'll be as much of a platoon player as he's been this year. I hope not, because I think he's pretty good defensively. TJ Friedel also has has started 29 of the last 32 games. So it's not like he's really been platooned all that much. I think today was more of an exception just because of the starting pitcher. And maybe that was the wrong call. I, I'm willing to admit, TJ Hopkins did actually get on base in one of his two at-bats, which was the guy that wouldn't have sat. So yeah, I, guess. I, I don't know. Kinda, it is what it is. But TJ Friedel has 29 of the last 32 he started. So yeah. he's been in there just about every single day. He, he has not been used far more than uh, Benson or, or Fraley were. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think he really even is a platoon player right now. But the one thing I can, can we at least admit on this, though? I know Will Benson, maybe his splits have been garbage uh, throughout his minor league career and maybe a little bit into his major league career with lefties. The only thing about Will Benson, like as tonight, I think that he would have an edge 
over maybe a platoon type of a guy is his plate discipline is so good that I think he could draw a walk. He, he might, he might, he might hit for a really poor average, but uh, a night like tonight, he might an extended at bat. He might battle. TJ Friedel feels like the same type of player. Um, is that what you're looking for? Probably not. I get that you're not hoping that you get send a guy up there just because he's going to solely walk. But I do think a guy like, let's say, Will Benson could offer more than an Ellie De, an Ellie De La Cruz type player. Uh, Ellie's obviously a switch hitter, so I'm not using it as that example. But a free swinging type of player might not be as productive. All right, uh, Jonathan India, he he kind of was in the papers again. Um, that Gordon Wittenmeyer, whatever that guy's name, seem he seems to be a. a him and Jonathan India must go to lunch all the time and dinner and they must be best friends because there was another story today uh, where India was obviously talking about how he's very frustrated that he feels like, and I'm paraphrasing, Nick, you can obviously uh, elaborate on this, but he's relatively frustrated that he felt like he got bad advice with this injury from the start. I guess that India's second opinion said he should have got more rest that doesn't seem to jive with the way the Reds have treated most injuries. It feels like over the last few years, especially with David Bell at the helm, the Reds have been more conservative than anything else. At least that's that's my feeling as someone who's watched and followed. So uh, I did find those comments a little interesting. I mean, I'm sure India is just really frustrated. This has been a brutal year for him. I'm sure it's probably more just frustration getting out than anything. Uh, that he hasn't performed as much as he would have liked. He was in trade rumors all year, and then he got hurt on top of it. I mean, I'm sure it's just frustration. But the comments, like the, the first story about India, remember we really pushed back on um, the whole, you know, we felt like that was very, like, overdone, and what India said was fine. This one, I was a little more like, this would have been better just to, you know, keep it, keep it zipped and and move along that's the way i read it at least it definitely seems like jonathan india is a guy that's willing to speak his mind and he's definitely willing to show his emotion i think that's admirable more times than not i'd prefer a guy to speak how he really feels than to hold it back and and and, and let frustration bubble over and and there's a difference but that that's where there's a distinct difference in a clubhouse between speaking to the media and actually telling it how you feel inside a clubhouse with your guys uh, you, you could you can be open and transparent in the locker room and then go directly to a reporter 10 minutes later and just say hey this is kind of something that I'd like to keep between me and the team out of respect for the locker room and 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 you keep it moving india has been a little i don't want to say too much forthcoming to the media because we are in the media business we'd like to consider the fact that we do want those nuggets we want to hear about what their actual truth is but there's no doubt that I could see how Nick Crawl and front office and David Bell is frustrated by what he's doing. And I, I, maybe I'm over, 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 overselling that a little bit. But there's no doubt that Nick Crawl and David Bell, in the back of their mind at least, they might not say this publicly, but in the back of their mind, they're not like, dude, just shut the hell up. Just shut up, dude. Just stop talking to this guy. One thing that kind of come of this and then Tyler Stevenson this year and then how far Jesse Winker's fallen off a cliff, something we definitely need to caution ourselves on is extensions. I know everyone. We all love Matt McClain. We all love Spencer Steer. We love all these guys, and there's every reason in the world to love all these guys, and there's no reason that those guys can't perform long term. 
but the vast majority of Reds fans wanted Winker extended. They wanted Stevenson extended. They wanted Indy extended. Sometimes these extensions aren't necessarily the best course going forward, and there probably should. I'm not saying that we should never do it. I, I understand where you're going. Don't, with get, this. don't get me don't get me wrong on that. I understand, but there definitely needs to be a level of caution with it, and and I think that that those three examples kind of I I don't know hold hold a little bit of uh, uh, weight towards that. Yeah. Uh, Chase Ber- uh, Bercher says, I've been listening to this show for too long. And if either of you can defend this lineup, I'd be surprised. Chase, you can watch this show after the fact and scroll back. And you can you can listen to how we discussed this lineup and what we both think is good and bad. Nick and I, if there is anything that you can say about this show, it's that the two people that are on it don't have really the same ideological views about maybe the game of baseball. We both can agree to disagree on things. We both are respectful about our opinions. I think that Nick is is very well educated in his thought process. And I think Nick, in a way, can understand where I come from sometimes. However, you're not going to, on this show, you're not going to get us in a position where we're probably going to change our mind on our ideological view of how this game should be played. I'd like to think that there is an avenue to where you can you can watch the game and make decisions based off of watching the game in real time and have a little bit of a feeling towards what you think would be the best position to put your team in to win which is what which 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 is really what would make you earn a, a major league managerial salary as opposed to some guy just sitting there on a computer all day telling you exactly what to do but you have Nick, who is very well educated on splits and understands metrics and believes in a system. And it's been a system that, quite frankly, has been used by some teams in Major League Baseball that has been very, very successful. And if you think Nick Kirby, for one second, is going to watch a 3 to nothing baseball game on August 15th of 2023 and decide, you know what, platoons are dumb. We need to get rid of them. I can't stand this. This is stupid. Then, then, then you just don't know. Then you just don't know Nick Kirby, and that's okay. You, nothing, nothing that if you knew Nick Kirby before the show and you knew me before the show, you probably already know our takes about the subject matter. If you don't, you can go back and watch like the first 20, 20 minutes of the show, and you'll get a, a good, pretty good education on where we're at with this. Um, let's stick with Jonathan India really fast. I don't know if it's. Um, I just don't know what's in Jonathan India's mind. I'll speculate for a second because that's what you do on Sports Talk. I think Jonathan India is looking at his position and he's thinking to himself and he sees to himself that it, that, that there's not a spot. Yeah. I really do. And he's frustrated by it. He's pissed off by it. He can't get in the lineup. What he was trying to do all year long was just box everybody out, which is not a bad strategy. Not a bad strategy. If I play incredibly well, at second base, and I play incredibly well uh, offensively, then it's hard to take me out of the lineup. It's hard, to, it's hard to move me. It's hard to get rid of me. You get hurt, and you let a guy like Matt McClain play second base for a little while, and he starts having a lot of success, and he looks good doing it, and Ellie De La Cruz looks good defensively at least. You start to look around, and you ask yourself, where, where, where am I going to come back and fit in? And that's where I think some of the frustration boils over. I really do. And again, that's all hypothetical. That's me making this up. Jonathan India might not have a, any issue at all with any of the stuff that I just mentioned. So, again, to be clear, asterisk, that's my personal belief. 
Yeah, I think you're I, I think you're spot on there. I mean, Andy's a smart guy. He he sees what's coming. And, and it's it, like I'm sure he's watching the game tonight and seeing Matt McLean and Ellie look really good at shortstop and second, and he knows, hey, there's that top one hundred prospect at AAA that's playing third base right now. Like it's it's not it's not hard to see that. One last and, and Jonathan India. Oh, let's be clear. Really, last last point I want to make, and the reason I believe that is because Jonathan India has 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 said time and time again that he has no interest in playing left field, and he doesn't want to be a DH. He has said out loud to the public that he is a second baseman, and that's what he is. Take it or leave it. He knows that's what he is. Yeah, those are his words, not mine. He has a space on this team. I'm not boxing him out from this team. He could be valuable as a DH. He can be valuable as a left fielder. But if he doesn't want to do that, that's a whole other story for another day. I promise I'm not going down that path on this show. Yeah, in, in fairness to India, he makes a lot more money playing second base long term. He's worked Correct. hard to play it, and, and I don't blame him for, for wanting that. And the Reds could absolutely 1,000% use Jonathan India right now. God, if I could have him back in the lineup, I would have him back in the lineup. Uh, and then one last point here, like I think people think like when I saw TJ Hopkins was in the lineup, I was just running around my house like, let's <laughs> freaking go, baby. Let's go. Like, uh, that's not it. Like, I would much rather have a guy like Jonathan India in the lineup tonight. I just think this probably gave the Reds the best chance tonight. And, and it's fine if you hate me for that. But I promise I'm not running around my house going, oh, my God, that is the lineup card, David. That's it, baby. That's it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I mean, I don't care who you are. If 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 you if you hate analytics, you hate Nick Kirby, whatever. You can at least admit that's funny. You can at least that's that, that. Come on. But anyways, really quickly, I I uh, we'll end the show on this. Did you did you put out a tweet that said that the Reds tiebreaker against the Marlins was the inner division? Is that true, yeah. or are we still not sure about that? So yeah, it's no, the, no, no, I, it's the, it's the, I, I look. That is let me true. walk you through it, real quick. Please do. Let me walk you. Yeah, let me walk you through it because I spent about a whole minute and a half of research on this. Um, I googled tiebreakers, and then that was it. Uh, okay. But I'm just, I'm just kidding. Never heard of Google. Well, yeah, the, yeah, but, uh, but no. So the the tiebreaker, if you have a team that finished um, with a, a 500 record against each other, Reds finished three and three. So the next tiebreaker is your record against your own division. Um, so that's kind of wild. That makes absolutely no sense if it's two teams that aren't in the same division, but that that is the rule. Uh, the Reds, I'll pull it up for you. The Reds are behind the Marlins quite a bit in that. Why wouldn't they make the it? Marlins, the, why wouldn't they make it the uh, the record versus the versus the, the 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 league? The whole that's I have no idea why. <laughs> what the that's the next tiebreaker. If if you're still tied after that, which okay. I mean that seems very unlikely, sure. then it's versus the other divisions, not your own. Reds are sixteen and twenty three against the NL Central. Yeah, the Marlins are fourteen and nineteen. So the Marlins have a lot more games, and they do have a bunch against the Braves um, and uh, the Phillies. So you know, watch the what about the Nationals? I, I want to pit. They got a few against the Nash, but the Nashes are playing well right now. <laughs> we saw that. <laughs> yeah, I better stop talking. Nationals are hot. The Nationals are hot. 
Isn't it weird? Uh, isn't it something? Uh, we'll end the show. Obviously, we need to get off here. But uh, isn't it something uh, kind of unique about Major League Baseball, just in general, of when you catch teams? I mean, some teams yeah. you run into them, and they're a really good team, but they're just playing lousy, like the Reds are kind of right now. And there's times where you run into a team, and and then they're horrible, but they're just playing. They're playing pretty good baseball. Pit, Pittsburgh earlier in the year, that four game series in yeah. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I mean, remember they were. They were in the top 10 power rankings when you saw them and the Reds, half their team hadn't arrived. And yeah, I mean, the Reds have also, I think, caught some of that the other way. So I don't want to be like, oh, we got screwed in that series. I think the Reds have also played some teams when they also weren't at their best. So it probably overall is evened out, but that'll be definitely interesting the rest of the way is uh, the Reds have a lot of games against teams above below 500, but how are those teams playing? Uh, are they bringing up some rookies that are on their their you know Ellie De La Cruz first three week honeymoon you know where they're you know unstoppable or um, have they already kind of been up for a while and they're kind of you know riding out the string at the end? You really you don't know how a lot of those teams will look at the end of the season. Fair enough. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action. Before we do that, Reds uh, minor league system, Reds farm system. Ranked in the top five by MLB Pipeline, released on Tuesday night. So, really cool to see the Reds' farm system still ranked that high after graduating so many uh, great players like Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, Spencer Steer, Andrew Abbott, etc., etc. All right, AAA, the Louisville Bats, they lost 5-3 to Iowa in 10 innings. Bats now 60-53 and on the season. That's four and a half back in the International League second half race. But the story of the night was Hunter Green making what we expect to be his final rehab start. Green five and two-thirds innings, one hit, no earned runs, three walks, nine strikeouts. Green hit 100 miles an hour on the gun. Green got 18 swing and miss. That's a, a rate of 46%, which is really, really good. Uh, the Iowa Cubs only got one flyout against Green. And this is against a, a Cubs AAA lineup that has a lot of talent. They've got uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, one of the top players, Matt Mervis, a top prospect. Five players in that lineup have an OPS over 900. So, really good outing from Hunter Green. And we expect Hunter Green probably is back on Sunday against the Toronto Blue Jays. So, that is certainly a welcome sign for the Reds. T.J. Antone also pitched in this game, continuing his rehab assignment. Uh, he threw an inning, gave up two hits, one run, no walks, no strikeouts. Novi Marte, Novi Marte was two for four, double at 104.3 off the bat. Jose Barrero was one for four. All right, double A, the Chattanooga Lookouts, they also lost in extra innings. They lost 7-5 to Birmingham. Lookouts 10 games over 500 now at 59 and 49. And the story in and uh, Birmingham was Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo made his first rehab a start, and it probably could not have gone any better. Three innings pitch, no hits, no runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. So a really, really good first step back for Nick Lodolo. If he's on the same timeline as Hunter Green, that's probably two more starts. That probably puts him right around. September 1st, Blake Dunn, he was one for three, hit his 16th home run in the minor leagues this season, continuing his incredible season in the Reds minor league system. Reese Hines was 0 for three. All right, Haye finally had a winner of the Dayton Dragons. They won 6-4 over Fort Wayne. Dragons now 57-52 and on the season. 
They are a half game back in the Midwest East second half race. Edwin Royo stayed hot. He was two for five. South Stewart, one for four. Carlos Jorge, 0 for four. All right, low A, the Daytona Tortugas. They scored six runs in the final two innings and a big comeback, 8-7 winners over Tampa. The Tortugas now 48-58 and on the season. Cam Collier stayed hot, two for four with a double and a walk. Henry Hector Rodriguez, two for four with a walk. And Victor Acosta was one for five. All right, Reds and Guardians, it'll be the series finale as this was just a quick two-game series in Great America Ballpark before the Reds will have an off day on Thursday before hosting the Blue Jays this weekend. And the matchup will be Andrew Abbott, 2.95 ERA, over 13 starts for the Reds. He's been incredible all year, coming off a really good start in Pittsburgh, five and two-thirds innings, two earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, and really good news for Andrew Abbott. The Cleveland Guardians are dead last in OPS in baseball against left-handed pitching. Only a 650 OPS against lefties. For the Guardians, it'll be Noah Syndergaard. He's made three starts with the Guardians since getting traded from the Dodgers. Two of those starts were actually pretty good. One was pretty bad. 3.71 ERA overall in the three starts. Syndergaard's last start with the Dodgers before he went on the IL was actually against the Reds. And Syndergaard got pulled after just three innings. He allowed seven hits and six earned runs. Ali De La Cruz and Tyler Stevenson both had home runs off Syndergaard. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for Chatterbox Reds. If I could just ask one favor of you, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. You all have been so incredible with your support. Uh, but if you could just leave us a quick five-star review, that stuff really helps us out. Just two seconds. We'd really appreciate it. We'll be back with Chatterbox Reds live postgame on YouTube around 9 p.m. on Wednesday night in the ninth inning. So make sure you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Hit that bell up in the typewriter corner. Turn on notifications as we would love for you to join us for that. And of course, if you miss the show, as always, we'll have the podcast ready for you bright and early on Thursday morning as we are the only Cincinnati Reds podcast with new episodes after every single game. I will also have Elijah Evans of Just Baseball on Friday morning's podcast. We'll have a special edition uh, with the Reds off on Thursday. Elijah Evans is in Birmingham. He just watched Nick Lodolo's rehab start, so looking forward to hearing his report on Lodolo and also what he saw from guys like Reese Hines and Blake Dunn. Maybe anyone else down at uh, Chattanooga that we need to keep our eyes on. Be sure to check out Off the Bench on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. It's from 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday. Trace Fowler has been filling in as host for Tom Brenneman, and they've had some great and lively sports talk, not just baseball talk every day. So make sure you tune into that, as uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Wednesday. Good vibes only. Go Reds.